hit the back button to get out of you, but you're like, no, I'm gonna reload for more ads. There we go. Yeah. So. Can I get those clicks? Yeah. I, I can't remember if it, it wasn't comicbook.com, I think it was CBR that comic book resources yeah that had a um a clickbait post about gundam iron-blooded orphans and trying to make space it was like yeah this is set 300 years after the original gundam and i was like oh there's a different timelines entirely you, you i understand you're cranking this out real fast because it's clickbait writing but that was frustrating i'm looking forward to the the which one um which from mercury yes absolutely the prologue um ova is streaming with english subtitles for free on the gundam info youtube page um so yeah it's a half hour prologue um def- i need to watch that actually I might do that later today yeah very excited very cool designs well for right now let's start a podcast sounds good to me. hello and welcome to red raccoon radio your source for tabletop gaming news in bloomington illinois and beyond i'm your host john parrot and with me today is the stellar cast for this podcast, which is uh, the staff members of my friendly local game store, Red Raccoon Games. The people I've managed to lure into talking about games with me today are... Hi, it's Alexis. This is Jamie. This is Jesse. And uh, so let's just get into it, guys. We're, we're a little low-key this morning. It's, a, it's early. It's a Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I normally do this a little bit later, but uh, I wanted to get make sure that we actually had a place where we weren't dying. Yeah. Uh, because we've been trying to use the new shop, and that has just been continually getting hotter and hotter each time I do it, and I don't want to put you guys through an endurance test. Well, every time we we'll be able to go over there and do it, and then we're going to have to bundle up. Yep. Yeah. We are approaching the end of the summer, That's and okay. I say, huzzah. Yeah, we will have our two days of Illinois fall, and then it's straight into sub-zero temperatures. It's going to be lovely. I yeah. love it. I'm excited. I would rather be cold than hot any day of the week. Same. Yes. I put a post out and it caused a bunch of controversy. I put through it on my personal Facebook and I just said, I am so tired of getting sweaty just because I had the audacity to want to walk to my car. Uh, And because we had been pretty hot this last couple of weeks. I mean, there's some days in there with 90s and stuff. And I'm just going to be happy with the cooler weather. I'm perfectly happy if it never gets above 65 degrees. Yes. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So let's talk about the game shop itself, the one that's actually currently open right now. Uh, how are things going? How was the last week? Uh, pretty good, really. I mean, it, it's it's been busy, but I, I think everything went pretty solid this week. We hired a new person, yeah. started training. So uh, other Ryan started this week, and so we'll see how this goes. Uh, we have to, we're going to have to come up with a nickname. Uh, for him, because uh, I don't know that we can keep calling him Other Ryan the entire time. Yes. Probably not, but you're good at nicknames, Jamie. Yeah, usually a natural flow of Jamie coming up with a nickname. And, uh, you know, everything this week was all about Pokemon and magic. It was big week for last weekend was Pokemon pre-release. This weekend was magic pre-release um, and selling boxes. Monday is the starts the full sale of all the, the rest of the Pokemon Lost Origin set. Um, tons of questions of what people could buy when and how they could buy it. Uh, lots of flat con planning this week. So I feel like we've got a pretty solid yeah. um, game plan for what Red Raccoon is going to do to assist flat con. You know, it's not our con. And uh, we try to assist as many places as we can. We're 
always the primary sponsors and uh, so we're helping with some marketing stuff and we're helping with the D&D Adventures League and we're helping with a bunch of other things. Yeah, I don't know. I think we had a lot of stuff going on this week. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it, it went pretty smooth considering that we went from having our first Pokemon pre-release that we did back in-store since COVID um, and then immediately ramping up for the Dominaria United uh, pre-release that was this weekend. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's back-to-back things and there's some other stuff thrown in the middle there and like you said, lots of planning for FlatCon, so... We got through it. I saw a post on uh, Facebook the other day, someone saying in a board game group, hey, I'm thinking about starting a store. What do you guys think? And everyone who actually owned a game store replied that you will open it up thinking you're selling board games and RPGs and your life will be dominated by magic and Pokemon. Um, it's not dominated by it, but it is a significant portion of it, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a choice, and I mean, there are stores that there are a number of stores you know that are very successful who don't even carry CCGs at all. Yeah. Or if they do, or they RPGs. only yeah, like there are stores who only really carry mini stuff. There are stores that only really carry board games, and there are stores that might carry like Magic and Pokemon, but they only do sealed product. Um, it's really about what the person can make work and what their community will support. Um, and, but I mean, if you do choose to support CCGs, I would say that it's probably the most time and resource intensive of the uh, types of games in terms of keeping up with it and um, providing uh, excellent service with that from a, from a keeping up with what the companies are doing direction. Board games, as we've discussed a number of times, are actually probably the most training intensive. Yeah, the, the, one of the ongoing issues that we're having um, with Wizards of the Coast is they keep changing every time a new set comes out how the release is going to work. They call it Lucky the Leprechaun Syndrome because they just can't leave it alone. Yeah, they that, and I posted, there's a Facebook group that you have to be a store to be part of for the Wizards Play Network, the WPN Network, and I posted it in there like, could you please stop changing it every time? It's so much training to explain to staff members what we can and can't do, which promos are supposed to go where, you know, which things they're allowed to sell and talk about each time because every pre-release has been different. There hasn't been two in a row that have been the same in at least the last two years. Yeah, I mean, we, I think it was uh, one of the Innistrad sets, probably the first one then, where we had a situation with someone giving out the wrong kind of packs for prizes and they gave out set packs instead of draft packs, like the more expensive one. And it was almost a disciplinary thing of you didn't pay attention to the thing. And they were like, I did what we did at the last one. And it was like, oh, that was Modern Horizons 2. And yeah. it was definitely a situation of, well, you know what? To be fair, what you did exactly what was correct the previous time. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, and not to, to, to beat on Magic because um, Dominaire United has been popular. People mm-hmm. are enjoying it. They're having a lot of fun with it. You know, we had some pretty good pre-release uh, numbers of attendance for both Friday and Saturday, so that was both good. Um, you know, it's just it, it it just makes everything more challenging. We have to literally type up a cheat sheet of this is how we handle Pokemon this time. This is how we handle Magic this time. So if somebody has a question, you can just stop and look at the cheat sheet to say, okay, I'm sorry, but the Commander decks that you were allowed to buy early last time you can't buy this time, but this time you could buy a collector's booster box. Um, and the commander decks will come out next week, and it's, you know, it's just kind of yeah. uh, crazy. And then also, customers don't even know what mm-hmm. they're allowed to buy. So we're talking about from a staff perspective, but customers 
yesterday I was fielding phone calls like, hey, how come you didn't call me and tell me my commander deck's in? And I, I kept having to say, because <laughs> it's, not. it's not here yet. It doesn't come out till Friday. They're like, what? It was pre-release weekend. And I, so customers don't even know what they're doing. I had a fun exchange with a customer who called up. It was a regular. And they're like, hey, so I'm calling because I might need to, I, I might need to change up my pre-order um, for Dominar United. Because is it correct that the uh, Legends Remastered cards are only in the collector boosters? Um, and I was like, uh, you mean like the old Legends cards that they uh, that they threw in from original boxes? He's like, no, 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 the ones with the new art that are like a new version of it. It's like, I'm not, oh, okay, those are two similar things that are very different, and I yeah. actually don't know the second one. And they had the correct information, those are the box toppers. But they're like, cool, it just means I need to add collector boost boxes to my order. Um, but yeah, keeping up with it and keeping it straight, if you're not on top of it, like, obsessively yourself, that's why we're so glad we have a Ken, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got a Ken. A Cave Ken. <laughs> a Cave Ken. Oh, I like that. Especially after Lord of the Rings, now that we know that there's different variations of trolls. Like, yes. Oh, That makes yeah. sense. The Ice Troll. Yes. Spoilers. It's in, like, the first five minutes. <laughs> so if you haven't watched Rings of Power yet, we're sorry, but hopefully that guides you into watching it, because it's utterly fantastic. And, and, and this is Jamie. It was so good. Go watch it. It was, <laughs> it was worth the th $3 billion or whatever they put into that show. Uh, $1 billion. Yeah. $1 billion. So $250 million to get rights to The Lord of the Rings. $440 million to actually produce 10 episodes. So $44 million an episode. And then the rest of it was marketing and promotions and everything. So they're $1 billion or $100 million per episode so far. And it was really good, and I just don't understand the media industry enough to understand how they're ever going to make that money back. I, it doesn't make sense, because I looked it up, and the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, it has only made $890 million in the past 20 years with the number of times that we've all watched it and the amount of DVDs and everything that we've bought and stuff. So over that whole period of time, it's still only made, you know, less than $900 million, and they they spent a billion. Like, how do you turn a profit? How do you... Well, I don't get it. I don't understand. I think you're right, but there's also Hollywood accounting is, of course, a thing, right? That's why there's such a big deal about if someone gets paid um, scale over, like, gross or, or net, rather, because they can play funny with the numbers. And I think you also made a point when you were talking about that before that uh, Amazon... Amazon's model is not to turn a profit directly. They play games around the other ways that money comes in, right? Oh, yeah. Amazon so, is not a, a retail company. Amazon is 100% a marketing company, just like Google. Google yeah. is not a search company. Google is a marketing company. Amazon and Google are both doing everything in their power to get as much information about all of us as possible to sell that information to people as a marketing company. Yeah. That is they spent $1 billion to notify themselves of every single Lord of the Rings fan. That's yeah, what they needed. They needed that, that info. And that's what I, I posted on Facebook earlier this week. I'm like, if, <laughs> if anybody already didn't have me written down somewhere in a marketing profile as Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Which would be very surprising. Yeah, how, how jacked up is that information? I mean, I do go on purposeful campaigns of disinformation, so... You know, I, every time I take a survey, I do fill it out wrong. I'm definitely somewhere between a 13-year-old girl and a 75-year-old man. I mean, somewhere in the middle. Um, do, I, do we need to report that to somebody? That feels wrong in a weird way. I just fill it out. I just right. want to screw up all their marketing information, right? right? It's 
you know, in Europe, it would be actually illegal for them to record as much information about all mm. of us as they actually have. That will never happen in America because there's too much money on the line and, and Congress is bought and sold. And that's how they'll get their billion dollars I back. Stop, I should probably stop being yeah, political. Okay. But. I, I will say that uh, I, I haven't watched Rings of Power yet, and I'm, I'm one of the smaller Tolkien fans uh, at the store. Like, I enjoy Lord of the Rings, but um, I actually never finished reading the book because I kind of stalled out at Council of Elrond. Um, that said, I'm hearing a lot of people are enjoying it, and the people who aren't are mostly getting hung up on lore details, but remember, it's okay to enjoy things. That, that's all fine, because uh, I remember the Shadow Over Mordor games. Those were really fun, and those definitely played with canon a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are some interesting elements of the... I won't say yeah. too much. Anyways, yeah, if you played those games, there's going to be things that you're going to kind of be like, ooh, uh... Another interesting fact is even with all of that money they spent, they actually don't have access to all of the Lord of the Rings I, lore. No, they like don't. Like the Silmarillion. Yes, they, they only have access to the time period and a little bit, I think, into... I believe uh, they can reference the what they can append, do. what's in the appendices of the actual yes. book, but not some of the other written stuff. So that's where they're kind of... They reference the similar... I never say it right. Sil Silmarillion? Silmarillion. Not the the actual stone. Simmerils. The Simmerils. I, yeah, I never say it right the first time. They reference them for just a second, mm -hmm. but they never talk about any of the parts of the actual story. They just say, hey, these are a thing. Remember those things, right? They never... So it's this is completely, mostly... I haven't read all the appendices, so I don't know which parts were actually in the appendices and which parts they're just making up. I, I'll be honest. The thing that usually, like triggers in my brain is oh i recognize that is when i see a place name or something that a black metal band later used okay yeah <laughs> or zeppelin yeah uh if you were a fan of the lord's power i would highly suggest you come in the shore and pick up the uh oh lord of the rings it's the one with the miniatures journeys to middle earth journeys to middle earth mm. it is fantastic it kind of tells its own stories that you can then be involved with you do need a, a digital component but it's definitely something you can get on your table yeah, that one is set in between the hobbit and the lord of the rings and right? it is and yep. with the battle with the orcs when the you know kind of like the the northmen battling to protect the northern frontier isn't that it so no the stories are actually kind of just unique on their own and the characters you can pull are some that are created just for the game but you can pull everybody like bilbo's in there and gandalf's in there and all the um named all the uh, dwarfs yeah. are in there. So. Okay. But yeah, it's something you can get on your table. And now that I've created that excellent segue, what has been on your guys' table lately? <laughs> Alexis, have you been playing anything? Yeah. So actually, what day of the week is this? Friday. Friday, I went to a friend's house and we celebrated my birthday late. Happy my, birthday. My, my, <laughs> yeah, it was It was in August, but I had a lot of things going on. So we played The Lost Cities Rolling Right. Hmm. And then Tenpenny Parks and Merchant's Cove. And then Stardew Valley's video game, but then we won't talk about that one. Um, <laughs> it's not a board game. They just announced... pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it was good. They just announced more for Merchant's Cove. It's actually coming yes. out. They're getting a big box and all I'm that very, jazz. very excited. I almost bought whatever was on eBay mm -hmm. of the old one, and then I saw that, and I was like, okay, cool. Good thing I waited, because I, I want that one now. I actually, there's there's one character that you're supposed to be able to play. It's like a secret character that you have to use the boxes to play. Mm -hmm. My wife threw out all the boxes. Like, we went, we did a purge, like, right after we bought that game, and so, like, just like a week after we had bought it, 
and well, then I guys, found that you out. You guys like to consolidate everything down into different organizers to make each game the most efficient possible. We can say we to that, but I think the answer is truly <laughs> just Amanda. It's half the fun of the game. Amanda loves playing games, but the other part of it for her is how can I make everything fit and look beautiful and everything be specific? Oh, yeah. I, I have a, a nonverbal wince very strongly at the all the boxes got thrown out because I did definitely appreciate the make it compact and set up well and like put it all in one box but i still have all the other expansion boxes there because they're pretty oh we <laughs> still have a pretty full closet yeah i uh the the, the new merchant's cove expansions there are going to be a kickstarter and i already did write to them and say hey we back the original are is there going to be a retailer pledge and they said yes so we're already because I've got, I've already got to get one for Alexis and one for Brittany and one for Chance. And <laughs> you it's have really for the staff. Okay, and then probably one for John. So that's like okay. Now there's five just for staff. <laughs> so what has been on your guys' table? Um, I got to play a few things recently. Uh, I played Crusaders that will be done. Um, got to hang out with our friend uh, Chris and play that a couple weeks ago. And that one came out a few years ago, uh, but Renegade has it back in print now. And uh, it was good. Different game than what I really expected out of it, um, but a fun kind of lighter-than-it-looks, medium-weight uh, area control game. Um, and so that was really, that was neat. I remember you were really excited to tell me that you got to play that, but still I did not get invited to come play it. <laughs> Interestingly. Um, I don't have a quippy regard to that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that was great. I really enjoyed that it has kind of a... Um, it's not really worker placement, but it has an action like Rondell uh, and a Moncala sort of way that you arrange your tokens. and So that was very fun. Um, and then I got to play uh, Century Golem Endless World recently, and that was, that was definitely very neat. Um, I find the way that the Century games are related to each other and like a remix of the same ideas but executed very differently to be pretty cool, especially if you have someone that you're getting into game and you're like, okay... Uh, Century Golem or Century Spice Road, same game, just different flavor. Very easy to learn. If someone could learn Splendor, they could learn it. And then the second and third game are a little bit more complex, and but they iterate on the same ideas. And the really cool thing is that if you have more than one of them, they have rules for combining the games together to make a different modular version of them that plays differently. So, yeah. And then I mentioned a minute ago... Um, Last City's Rolling Right. That was really fun. I think that that's going to be on my list of if someone is interested in dice games and they're coming off of like Yahtzee, um, this would be a good one. This would be like a little easier than um, like Gonstrom Clever. Um, yeah, it, it was good. It was solid. I mean, just like regular Lost Cities, yeah. right? Very easy to play game. You could teach grandma that. Nice. I ended up, uh, I don't know that I got anything new to the table. I ended up teaching Azul to Cat, uh, uh, she had never played it before, so I taught her Azul, and we got a chance to play that with Chance, and a lot of Llama dice. I mean, I think people are um, really gravitating to that one, and I know that I've sold a ton of copies of that one, because when you start explaining to people, they're like, ooh, yeah, that sounds fun. Uh, but I don't think I got anything new to the table. I managed to get a new Kickstarter block and key, I got it as far as I got it set up. <laughs> That's pretty. You know, uh, it's a brand new one, and it's really cool. It's from uh, Connor Gooey, I think is his last name, if I'm saying it right, at uh, Inside Up Games. And the last game we had from him was a few years ago. It was called Summit, which was a really interesting game where 
you were scaling uh, Mount Everest and you could choose if you were going to do a co-op version of the game or a competitive version of the game. And uh, I always thought it was cool because in the competitive version of the game, there's a karma index. If, if you're a jerk to everybody else, karma could come back and bite you. Mm. This one is a it's a, one of those kind of dual layer games where you have the, the modular board of what's on top and what's down below. And uh, it's themed around breaking into like a, I'm like an Incan or an Aztec temple or something of that nature. And it's all about perspectives. So you're putting blocks on there. And the, the, the Kickstarter has these really nice heavyweight deluxe kind of Tetris style blocks. You're putting blocks onto the top panel. There's rules for how you put blocks on there with the goal of completing cards. And the cards are based on what you can see from your side of the table. So me completing a card is going to be something completely different than anybody else playing because it's only based on what I can see. Can I see blocks stacked where there's two green and two white on top of them from where I'm sitting? The blocks don't actually have to be stacked on top of each other. Just when I look across the top of the board, do I see two blocks with two green on the bottom and two white that might be way behind them, but they look visually from perspective like they're in place. And then Alexis would be sitting around the corner for me, and her perspective of what she sees on the board with the colors and the blocks is going to be completely different. Yeah. Really interesting thing that I want to actually get a, a full playthrough in, because I've only got as far as setting it up so far just to see how it was going to work. I didn't play it, but I was with the people who did. And Were you the, there when Chance taught the rules wrong? That well, yeah, been I mean... going on for a week, like, he, Chance taught the rules wrong, don't let him teach the rules anymore. Chance can't teach any game correctly. <laughs> he asked me about Azul after you guys played it and whatever the question was, and I was like, no, Chance, that was that was correct, the way that Jamie did it. He's like, oh, I thought it was this way. I was like, Chance, I've played over 260 games on Board Game Arena. The way Jamie taught it was correct. <laughs> Believe he kind in of him. Gave me a look on a couple things. I didn't know he thought he was questioning how I was teaching the rules. So, yeah. um, it, I, it's out on the table right now in the shop, I believe. Correct? Yeah. Um, it gave me some uh, Holly vibes, which is the game where you are. Uh, it's the Festival of Colors, and you're throwing things. Mm -hmm. But it definitely has kind of that high structure. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily the gameplay style, but more of just like it. It kind of is. Not imposing, but it's significant on your table, and it looks really cool to have there. Mountains out of molehills as well. Yeah. Same yeah. thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Where the at the bottom of the box, the uh, the 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 box bottom is one layer of it. You flip it over and you use it as part of the board, and then the 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 top is the second portion of it. So, and there's a really cool stand that holds the two layers together. I don't know that you necessarily, I mean, really when you're looking at playing the game, did it need to be designed that way? No, but Not it's, really, it's but neat. it's kind of a really cool aesthetic. It, it makes it very easy to put on a table to sell it. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know how it went for you setting it up, but I know it was a little rocky when everybody was placing things. Like, it could have easily been tapped and the pieces could have fell. I think I, I think that um, when Brittany had mentioned that to me, that, that, that Cody... <laughs> Brittany's husband had some issues with it. I pushed it down a little bit more. It did oh, okay, fit a little okay. more snug. You really could kind of snug it in there pretty tight, and it got a lot more stable. Okay. So I think Good. it's just a matter of making sure the pieces are really snugly fit together, and it seemed like it worked a lot better. So it was that was pretty cool. I'm, I'm, I want to get a full playthrough of it to see if it's as good as I think it's going to be. 
um, on my table right now is being dominated by D&D stuff because uh, I am starting a Spelljammer campaign, which as more news has come out about that, which we probably won't talk about today, it's become kind of hard to know that I'm doing it, but I still want to give it a try. I still think there's good things there. Uh, but my wife is also a super organizer and so already has her part of the table out. Uh, she has her own dice tray. Her, she had to go buy a notebook because she can't use the same notebook well, from another character. New notebooks for everything. No, of course not. Okay. You, um, you Wait, what are you taking notes on? Right? <laughs> The worst part is uh, the guy who runs the campaign and and every time, you know, at the beginning of the campaign, I'm always like each time we play, I'm like, okay, tell me, you know, catch each other up. Remember what you guys were doing. (laughs) That's my way to like, what the hell did we do last time? What was this? What was that name? Uh, The the worst part is I've played a few RPGs with my wife while I've GM'd and she will always ask me how to spell things in the middle of me trying to describe something. And there's nothing worse than going and in the lights of the, you know, how do you spell this name again? I was like, I Okay, L A, and then I'm making it up because I didn't think of it. Right. I didn't know how to spell it. I was making up consonants and vowels together. So that is where I am. And speaking of RPGs uh, and Dungeons and Dragons specifically, we got some news from Fandom, who, for those of you that might remember some of the stories we've had on the podcast before, used to be the owners of D and D Beyond until they sold it for an exorbitant amount to Wizards of the Coast. Was that a good deal? We're still up in the air about that. But what is Fandom doing next? Well, it seems not RPGs. Uh, it, Fandom it's like ha- they're completely exiting the entire industry is what it looks like. Absolutely. So they have sold all of their tabletop RPG assets that are really known in production. Uh, the Dragon Prince RPG being especially one that's been sold. If you've watched that on Netflix, you are probably looking forward to that. It's an awesome world with some really great magic components to it that could really be played out well in an RPG. Uh, and then there's rumors that they were, they're also going to sell their legends of Grayskull, uh, which is their, uh, he man and the defend masters of the universe, which is that the reason I chose this article? Maybe. Are you going to judge me for that? <laughs> I don't care. Probably. Yeah, probably. That's is true. That one, is that one being published by uh, free league or Modifius now? I'm trying to remember. I don't think we know anymore. Oh, wait, wait. There's so many He-Man-like things in development right now, it's, I'm having trouble keeping them straight. Yes, there are two animated shows. There are, like, two tabletop games because... Two tabletop skirmish games because... One's only in Europe and, and one's only in America. Mm-hmm. And the people in Europe are bitter they can't get the American ones, and the people in America are bitter they can't get the European one. If we could only get them together to trade. Um... But yeah, so He-Man has had like kind of a resurgence lately. I'm still expecting us to see like a large movie, but in this article, fandom who is really their their main bread and butter is creating these amazing wikis that people can use in order to keep track of their knowledge, which Alexis, I I am guessing you are the type of person that has also had to look up fandom things before you and I seem to be on the same part yeah. where like we need to know more. Yeah. I will say for what it's worth that the content on those wikis is community generated. Fandom is the hosting company and they can see the money and such and have a little bit of a little bit of a bone to pick with fandom because increasingly their ads are making it impossible to actually read pages on my phone (laughs) well after their 146 million dollar buyout from wizards of the coast and who knows how much they've now made from the selling of uh fandom uh from their other ttg or ttrpg assets um, maybe they can cut those down a little bit. Maybe. Nice. No, <laughs> no, no. Not that's probably not going to happen. happen. Yeah. So this article came out about they sold uh, tales of uh, 
Zadia? Zadia, the Dragon Prince one, which I know nothing about. I, I don't. You, John, when you said it was a Netflix cartoon, I was like, it is? Mm-hmm. I feel like I haven't heard it discussed. Like, I'll, I'll mention it sometimes, be like, oh, yeah, it was good. But I don't hear it discussed nearly as much as a lot of other um, similar things like uh, She-Ra or um, uh, some such as. But it's the, uh, it's the creators of um, Avatar are behind it, correct? Uh, some of the voice actors even came okay. over as well, yes. Uh, there's a few in, like, canon references to there's one character who's voiced by one of the characters that used a boomerang and you see a boomerang later in the show um but the show is actually really good it involves uh people of color people of uh with uh special needs and disabilities and uh there's one character that never speaks they only use sign language Mm. and so it is actually accurate sign language They, they have a translator character that comes along with it and this she's a badass like she is amazing she's an awesome fighter it's not something that limits her and she is even a general of an army and so it really is kind of an empowering thing and i'm hoping that would have portrayed in the rpg as well yeah, that is really cool i mean that it's similar to what they did with toph in avatar right where it's Toph mm-hmm. is blind but that's not like uh, a, a hindrance for toph and it's not the only thing about them right so yeah, that's really good. So this was actually bought by Direwolf Digital's publishing. And, and Direwolf has actually been doing some really interesting things. Uh, first of all, they are now owning the Clank series. They're no longer going to send that out to anybody to publish. Uh, they are become big enough now to handle that. And I think part of that is because Dune Imperium has done so well for Very them now. Uh, everyone is loving it. Everyone's been talking about it. Jamie was really itching to get it on the table as soon as it came out, I remember. Oh, yeah. I played a bunch of Dune Imperium. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, I really enjoy the, I don't know, God, we've talked about it so many times, I don't we want have. to belabor it, but it's, it's the artwork in Dune Imperium is based on the new Dune movie, and it just really gave you this kind of cool vibe of, uh, you know, it was, it was another in a series of, kind of like Clank, where you use a deck building mechanic to drive playing a board game, and in this case, it was a deck building mechanic to drive a worker placement game. And uh, it really it was nice because you could you could pick a faction, you could pick a direction you wanted to go and specialize in it. And you know, was there combat? Yes. Did you want? Did you have to do combat? No. You could you could actually win the game by never engaging in combat at all, and and only going pure economics and and going the route of being the emperor or the spacing guild or something. So it was just really cool that um, you could pick so many different directions to win the game. That was really kind of one of the things I enjoyed about it. Between the unique factors of Clank, and I believe there's a new Clank coming out as Clank well. Clank Catacombs just yeah. won um, Best of Gen Con. Yeah. Because it, it's um, Clank was, of course, their first game. It was the first game that I can think of that that used a deck-building mechanic to play a board game, right? In which case, the original Clank, you're, everybody's playing a thief trying to rob treasures from the evil dragon's cave. Um, and then they made a bunch of expansions, and then one time you're going into... Uh, uh, a pyramid to you and the big bad guy's the mummy. There's another one you're going to the dark forest and the big bad guy's a spider. There's even a campaign version that partners with Penny Arcade. Yep, Clank Legacy mm-hmm. and, and with Acquisitions Incorporated, Incorporated, right? And then Clank in Space introduced a modular board where you have like four pieces to it. Clank Catacombs is a full-on tile-laying game, so you have no idea what the dungeon looks like until you try to go a direction, then you flip over a tile and reveal where you're going. So it'll take that deck-building mechanic, plus one of my other favorite favorites in tile-laying, 
and and expose it and then we're running through the dungeon that way and everybody i didn't get a chance to play it when i went to gen con because ken and i's whirlwind tour didn't have time <laughs> but um you know obviously winning best of gen con meant a whole yeah. bunch of people must have really liked it yep and i think that this might show that direwolf is going to start maybe becoming a more and more popular game series or, or at least a, a publisher at this yeah. point yeah. so i didn't realize until you sent the article either i didn't realize that dire wolf is making the software for the new um uh pokemon live oh. right yeah. because pokemon pokemon has always had the pokemon online version right. of the card game and they're replacing it with the, what they're calling pokemon live so when you open a pack of cards you get a little code you go to Pokemon and type in your code and then you unlock that same pack um, in the video game or, or similar pack from the same series and um, I didn't realize Direwolf was making the new Pokemon Live so because I was reading like a dev build and reading through some of their more recent uh, um, articles it's still in beta right now with their read they've done a bunch of changes based off of user feedback so just it's interesting that they're doing that at the same time as they're they're kind of building this tabletop board yeah. game brand at the same exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, tabletop is always going to be big for you know. Every, even at the beginning of the podcast, I was saying you know a lot of people who open game stores have to realize how big gaming is coming uh, when it comes to card games, and Disney has decided they want to be a part of this action oh, too. Man. This one's Disney the Gathering. This one's yeah. interesting. I Mickey the Gathering. Mickey, Mickey the Gathering. Is, yeah. yeah. So uh, this news article comes from uh, Chase Carter at Dicebreaker. Disney's new trading card game, Lorcana, is basically Mickey the Gathering. And if you read the article, basically what has happened is Disney has partnered with Ravensburger, uh, another uh, controversial choice <laughs> in the board game industry, uh, to create their own TCG, which is going to somehow incorporate alternate versions of known characters very similar to what they've done with their Mirrorverse series. So uh, there's a few different ways to kind of approach this announcement. The um, Going off the, I think the more interesting one is what you just mentioned, that it's this is supposed to have its own setting, its own, you know, combined universe of all these characters, um, which sounds to me a little bit like Disney going, hey, you know, you know what was really popular? Kingdom Hearts. You know what we got... Um, royalties for but we didn't fully own Kingdom Hearts um, and so that like kind of you know edgy or alternate version of things is definitely popular there also um, the way that they talk about original and alternate versions reminds me of thing talk about a little bit later the uh, designer of it and their involvement with things like the Digimon card game which has been very successful doing really pretty alternate art um, as far as, I mean, Ravensburger has a history working with Disney. They've been putting out, like, the Disney Villainous games for quite a while, and those have been very popular. Uh, a lot of mainstream appeal there, and really good original art in those. Um, I mean, there's definitely the part of me that is nervous for something like this, because 1994, Magic gets really big. A lot of other card games try to do the CCG thing. There's a boom that saturated Mark in a bust. And they all went kablooey, except for Magic and Pokemon, Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh. They're point, the only yeah, three that yeah. survived. Well, and Yu-Gi-Oh is kind of a, a precursor to the second wave of it from when I was a young chap um, in that the early 2000s between like... Wait, did you just say chap? Yeah, that was what I went with. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he was from England when he was like 12 I'm or sure 13 years old. So, uh, but yeah, when like I was a black young, guy, you know, Star Eye Dragon. 
the uh, the mid two thousands, uh, you had another boom where Pokemon was still going decently strong. Yu Gi Oh got uh, came up and it was popular, and then there were a there was a CCG for everything, and then that boom died out. And I, I don't think there was so much one around twenty fourteen, but the point is that roughly every ten years we're having uh, we have a CCG boom, and obviously there's one coming up with Pokemon getting so huge during the pandemic. Um, I. Ravensburger says that they're going to be supporting this one for a few sets um, out past the initial launch. Um, I'll be curious to see how it goes. I mean, if it's mechanically fun, it, it could have legs, but I always get nervous on any new CCG, whether it's fun or not, because I've, I've loved many of them that die after four sets because, like Jamie alluded to, you Magic has withstood. Pokemon had a rough period, but has withstood. Yu-Gi-Oh! has continued on, but besides that, there may be some that have been around for a long time, but they don't have a big following. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, so I bought the store from Ken in 2014, and prior to that, I had only ever played Magic. And the, but if you think about what's even come off since then, right? So, um, Star Wars Destinies, Dyson Cards uh-huh. came, died. Keyforge came, died. Trying to come back, maybe they make it, maybe they don't, right? And there's still a loyal following, but is there enough to ever actually get the energy that we had when Keyford launched? Don't know. As soon as that Kickstarter launches, we'll have a we'll have a discussion about it. And see okay. how good it goes. I don't know what's going to happen, right? I mean, we the Keyforge was a really cool concept, but Keyforge was was killed by screw ups from Asmodee from a production point of view. They completely underestimated demand for the game. And then they, you know, Asmodee has killed so many games because they think, hey, of course nobody's going to want to see any new content for six months. And um, there's a reason why Pokemon and Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh! release new content, major content, every three months, right? Gamer ADD, gamers will get lose interest and move on to something else. And Asmodee cannot wrap their brains around it's the same this, thing this that, idea. Same thing that happened with Destiny, where it's it's a they've had trouble threading the needle on that supply and demand thing. You know, obviously, Thanks, oh yeah, obviously, uh, limited supply uh, helps keep hype and demand up. But you have to be able to have that supply come back out before people lose attention. What was that other one? Argent Saga. Argent Saga, came which and was gone. the uh, the people who did the competitive tournaments for Force of Will, trying to do their own game, and that. Barely lasted two. Seconds. Force of Will's hanging on by a thread. It, Force of Will is, I will say, when it almost died, it came back up, and then they did some smart moves to keep the game going. But I mean, it's a small, but it's a cult following. It's a, it's a cult following. Which is the same thing for Buddy Fight. Oh, Buddy yeah. Fight is already, I think, gone. Buddy Fight's but gone. White yeah. Schwartz and Vanguard are still going, Van, but it's a yeah. cult following for those as well. Vanguard Flesh and Blood. Just, Flesh and Blood is cult following. Uh, Vanguard went through two reboots, uh, which is rough. Uh, and then, yeah, White Schwartz, I mean, that holds on by the fact that it's got uh, very strong licensed Japanese. Animes. It's licensed uh-huh. anime, so it's it's a Japanese marketing tool, really. So so Ravensburger and Disney coming together to make this new game, Lorcana, uh, I'm interested, right? I think we talked about before. Everybody here knows that I'm a huge um, Disney and Pixar uh, fan, so... I'm interested. I hope they can do some cool stuff with it. Um, our friend Rob, who is the Elf King 
for uh, and good time games and comics and I feel like we need to put that in, in another order next time you say that to say this guy from known as the Elf King because I was like where are we going did Jamie just have King? a no I, I think he's got his own he's got his own card in in Clank at this point right or no Hero Realms Hero Realms oh, okay. yeah Rob the Elf King uh, from Good Robert Time Rupert. Games and uh, comics in Prince Rupert Canada. Uh, was a beta test location for Lorcana, and oh. he says that it's great. That okay. the art is really good. It's really interesting art card and the game. And he said he demoed it with um, three different distinct groups of people. One group that grew up playing games like Magic. Um, he actually uh, he has a really strong all women's group of. Uh, D&D players called the Ladies of Hawthorne mm. and he got them to play it and they had a good time with it and then he got it in front of a bunch of kids that are part of his Pokemon club okay. and they all had a good time with it as well so that's pretty positive feedback coming I, from the only person I know that has run was involved with the beta test. I will say that Rob saying good things about it means a very different thing to me than most other people because Rob's store is one of the most atypical stores there is. He is not a CCG person who's just going to get swept up by it. Um, and so this is definitely, and he's very casual, family market oriented. So uh, yeah, that's that's good praise. And and now let's talk about the downside of this, right? One, will is, it be in Target for three months before you actually yes, get a hold of it? That is exactly yeah. where I was going. Yeah, is that. If they do that, Robinsberger has a history of giving Target a three-month exclusive on any new game that they put out when it first is released. And if this has a three-month exclusive at Target, every game store in America is going to fly the birds both at Disney and Target and Robinsberger all at the same time and not stock the game. And that will be the death knell of the game immediately. Because you've got to have some place to play. Yes. And, I mean, Wizards learned that recently because when they launched the Transformers card game, um, which was fun. Oh, I forgot about that. It yeah. could have been on a list of dead card right? games. <laughs> and I'm sorry, actually, technically, that was a Hasbro product, but it was developed by Wizards people. Um, the Transformers card game at launch had no organized play. It was big box oriented, uh, and they basically went, yeah, we don't have to worry about game stores. Did it make three sets even? Um, it did. It did. Okay. But, like, it was by We had to get to combiners. They did a soft reboot of sorts with going, okay, okay, here's OP, please, please. But by that point, um, game stores already said, I don't want to worry about this game. And so hopefully they understand that better here. And I will say that... Um, so it says here, Ravensburger brand manager Ryan Miller is one of the co-designers on it. And uh, I was looking at uh, Ryan Miller's um, uh, CV, if you will, uh, of stuff they've designed. And they have experience in the industry and hopefully can see some of these pitfalls. Um, I was actually surprised a lot of the different things they worked on, including uh, the aforementioned Digimon. Um, looks like they made the Chrono Clash system that uh, Bandai's used for the Naruto game and Evangelion, and then Digimon is the implementation of that that's been the most popular. Uh, and also, apparently, was one of the co-founders of Sabretooth Games, who made Universal Fighting System, which is currently the My Hero Academia card game. Uh, so definitely some CCG development history there of making things that are mechanically solid, but like you said, it's the, how is it going to be implemented in the market? Yeah, I think I think Digimon's a good example of a, a game that is gaining steam as it goes mm -hmm. along, right? It, it started off very niche, and it's picking up all the people who were kind of the 
they wanted to play some of the other games, like a White Schwartz or a Cardfight Vanguard, and couldn't, can't find anywhere yeah. to play them. So Digimon is gathering up the, the fans of, of anime who haven't had a home and pulling them all in slowly. So that's that's gaming, gaining steam it, here. Yeah, I, I honestly expected it to be two sets and done, and here we are over a year later, and I might have bought a couple boxes recently. So <laughs> one article that I didn't bring up, because it's kind of insignificant but now lends into this conversation is that target apparently has been um having a bit of a problem with overstocking and that has become more and more prevalent with them ever since the pandemic uh and then also trying to have enough workers to keep the stuff on the shelves and things like those lines have been a constant battle and that there are some talks apparently in that board game space of is that worth the wall space anymore? Now, if you go into a Target nowadays, normally there is a large wall in the toy section from kids' games to games that we would have at the game shop, and there's just kind of a question of, is that really worth it anymore? So I'm wondering if we're going to see if this might be a a deviation from that and a start to maybe Target no longer wanting to try and and play in that space. It could be. You know, I've heard and seen some conversations from publishers that talk about, you know, everybody gets super excited that they signed a deal with Walmart and Walmart wants 10,000 copies or Barnes & Noble wants 5,000 copies of a game for all the locations. But I've seen more and more articles that say when the game doesn't work, there was somewhere in the contract where they were guaranteed a certain amount of profit that was in the contract. So if your game doesn't sell, because it is a very crowded market for board games, which we've talked about a bunch of times, then they reserve the right to send the game back to the publisher and ask for their money back. And that has, there are a couple publishers that have gone out of business because of that. There's a couple publishers that almost went out of business because of that where, you know, they thought that they had sold 10,000 copies of the game. They took the money, they moved on to the next thing. And then they got five or 6,000 copies sent back to them and said, okay, you owe us this much money for the copies we just sent back. And so that has, I think that, you know, publishers have to be very careful uh, in reading, making sure they know exactly what is in their contract with these when they're dealing with big box stores. Because um, as always, big boxes are just out for number one. So, um, you know, that, that could be playing into it as well. You know, Target took a huge write down on they were overstocked on every category and it was it was a big thing for wall street that they took a massive like i want to say it was like 696 million dollar write down or something yep. like that and uh uh yeah i don't know i don't know what that means going forward for if if they're going to just stock thinner because uh, they were going through gen con god it was probably four or five years ago and they went through gen con and they bought up the rights to like a lot of the best of gen con games with exclusive deals for six months they were doing that for a a few years and maybe they're gonna start backing away from that and it's not going to be as prevalent as it was unfortunately they don't normally share their profits for specifically board games but speaking of large companies and the card game market Uh, This article comes from Dice Tower News that eBay hopes to win big with the purchase of TCG Player. So eBay is coming to the trading card space by buying up the, from what I understand, the number one place to buy cards for the most part. In America, yeah. In America, with a $295 million check to buy it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, things that give Jamie heartburn, right? <laughs> so, TCG player is by far and away the single largest online card market in America. It works pretty well. Um, there are a lot of protections for buyers and there are a lot of protections for sellers that are built into the platform. Their fees are pretty high, but comparable to um, if you were to sell on a different online forum like eBay, as an example. Mm -hmm. um, the fees that they charge the seller are pretty comparable. It's roughly 15% of whatever the take is, whatever the value of the thing is, they get 15% off of the top. Um, so, but it's a really good way if you have some uh, high-end cards that you can't sell direct to somebody, you can find a way to sell them in a system that has a pretty good reputation for protecting buyers and sellers. Um, and so we, we sell quite a bit of stuff on TCG player because there is always stuff that, you know, by default, we're going to buy cards and then we're going to put them in our cases and we're going to try to buy them to sell them at the store to try to maximize the value that we can get from them. We can wheel and do a little bit in the store. And then eventually though, if a card just won't sell locally, if there's no market for it, or if we've had enough of them and the market's tapped out, then we can sell it online and, and somebody someplace was normally interested in a lot of these cards, right? Uh, and uh, there is a program inside a TCG player where you can say, you can go through a process to be a verified authenticated game store too. So if you don't wanna risk selling it to an individual and who may or may not be a scammer, if you want somebody with a good reputation, there's all these steps that TCG player makes stores go through in order to be a verified seller, right? eBay acquiring TCG Player has a lot of people very concerned because eBay historically has no protection for sellers and is scammer paradise. Mm -hmm. And we, um, we do sell a little bit of stuff on eBay. It's usually closeout stuff where we're just trying to get rid of it because we've tried to discount it and clearance it out here locally and we just can't. And we've, we're trying to dump it anywhere we can. To, like, please, can we get any of our money back from this game that just won't sell? Um, but they're, they're a scammer's paradise right now. And so everything that we do, we have to be super careful. Um, we've 100%, we've, we've tried to sell, like, you know, cards on there in the past and gotten sent back a box full of empty packs or, you know, I didn't get the right product and, and they send back something that's completely different than what we sent them to start with. So we, we, we are very hesitant to do put anything collectible on there. And now Scammer Paradise just bought the single biggest forum for um, collectible cards that is out there right now. Now the article does say that they are still going to act, uh, TCG player will act autonomously. It's not going to be incorporated into eBay at this time. Of course, like that is a blanket every statement. Every merger thing ever written says That's that. That's what everyone says. I know. Um, but actually, it seems that TG Player's uh, purchasing tools and infrastructure is something that eBay is interested in. And possibly they might try and use what they're doing in their own system. I mean, that's, that is, that's something that I, I thought about, too, is could eBay be trying to buy TCG players' reputation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because, um, you know, 
there are things in TCG Player that aren't perfect. They have horrible reporting. That's my number one thing. I've talked to Chetty, the CEO, many times like, Chetty, how about some decent reports to run our business with? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it would be nice to say, in August, how much did we sell in Pokemon versus Magic? That's like such the basic report out there, and we can't get that report right now. So there's the problems in TCG Player, but we definitely lean towards TCG Player over eBay because of eBay's reputation and our personal experiences with it. So maybe maybe they're trying to buy a reputation management. eBay was at, they had a booth at Gen Con. eBay had a booth at Gen Con and huh. they're, they've got this product they've developed now called The Vault, where if you buy, let's say you buy something ludicrously high-end, like maybe you're, uh, what's that guy's name, Logan Paul, bought the $220,000 oh. um, Charizard. Uh, they do this program now where they will store the card for you in their vault and then you can sell that card and then the person who buys the card can just choose to keep it in the vault too and maybe the card never leaves the vault and it's just traded like almost like high-end securities where it's just you're buying low and selling high or you're it's it's all about speculating it's at still, that point right still better than Right, but maybe. <laughs> but if, if you're in the news and you bought a card that big, do you want that card in your house? Yeah. Or the, dealing with the transport of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, that's like a securities. That's like, yeah. If Who's, I bought something that expensive, I would want to at least once physically if you're just, hold it. If you're buying yeah. it for an investment, though, it's like buying and selling. I don't. I don't. Gems or gold. Like, yeah. I might be the Pokemon person here, but I don't care for Pokemon that much. But I mean, if if I were to purchase a quarter million yeah. dollar card. I would right. still want to see it. Buying it for would you reasons. want to put, make it into a necklace and then wear it no. into a boxing ring? No, it can go back in the vault. Okay. I just, you know. You want to touch it once? Yeah. yeah. You want eBay yeah. to I come to... deliver it to you yeah. and take it back yeah. to the vault. Yeah, that's fine. Well, yeah. And it's like, as a, so as a kid, my, well, even still now, my dad is a coin collector. And he keeps all his expensive stuff in a bank safety, safety yeah. deposit box, right? And so he pays a fee every month to the bank. I don't even know what's in that safety deposit box. He's been buying coins and sticking them in the safety deposit box for my entire life. Uh, I don't even know what's in that. I actually wonder if he knows what's in there. Um, so maybe a solution like the vault yeah. for collectibles. And I, and I know, I know that eBay has also been big in going to like sneaker conventions mm -hmm. where they have people who can verify if a sneaker is legit or if it's a counterfeit sneaker. So, I guess this all kind of makes sense from eBay's point of view as the next step if they For think that they're going to be yeah. the high-end collectibles place. Yeah. You know, the next the next step past this would be for them to buy somebody like one of the card or comic like grading CCG places. Or, or CGC or uh, PSA or something. Yeah. Like well, PSA just got bought by somebody big. I don't remember who it was. And then Beckett bought, Beckett actually bought Southern Hobby. Right. Um, so eBay might be trying to become more of a high-end auction house than an online yeah, provider. Yeah, like maybe the maybe a new generation Sotheby's or Christie's. Interesting. I don't know. I just I it, it gives me heartburn thinking about if they get rid of the seller protections the way they got rid of because it's this whole idea that the customer is always right. Well, no, the customer's not. I'm sorry. It is. If you're listening to this, don't be offended. Sometimes the customer's not right, especially when it comes to scammers and not having the back of a, the verified store who is trying to do that. If, now, you're, 
it, you know in your heart whether or not you should be offended by that statement because it's only directed to people who are being disingenuous or, like Jamie said, being a scammer. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong. Back in the day, I remember when eBay had so many issues with the sellers being mm. the scammer too, right? So that was a real thing too. Yeah. And, and and I get that, but, but, but man. There's other platforms we also have those issues of, of the, no, it's, it's okay because the customer is our customer, not yours, and so we're going to make sure they stay with our platform. And so the seller gets hosed. Yeah. So I, I believe from what I've understood, the original quote of the customer is always right. The full quote is the customer is always right in matters of taste. Now, again, with Logan Paul, I bring that into question, but I think that statement makes a lot more sense in that Honestly, case. Honestly, though, if the chain had a big gold medallion or something else that's traditionally considered valuable instead, it should have been Pokeballs. Uh, it would be cooler if it was a Pokeball, though, like a solid yeah. Pokeball. That would be Just fun. Pokeballs all the way around his neck. Like that's what I'm yeah, but, like but, pearls, but yes. I think part of the thing is is that anybody pearls. theoretically anybody could go to a jeweler or, or a goldsmith and have them make right. a chain of pokeballs, right. which would be cool. But you can't just go make a number ten rated PSA right. graded Charizard. You, you can't get that anywhere else. You can't just buy your way in. Yeah. We're we're getting into the the concept well, of value you could and buy your way value now, and I can. And I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna pull us up from that because this deal isn't actually gonna happen till 2023, and then we can all have more of discussion as we see as it uh, pulls out. If uh, you well, know, and I'll just throw in I'm, I'm throwing one last angle in the eBay thing too, is earlier this year. TCG Player had made an announcement that they were going to get into the sports cards market. Which they had never been, they've never been a sports card platform. It's always been games, right? It's always been Pokemon Magic, Yu Gi Oh!, Force of Will, Flesh and Blood, all those. It's always been games. They never got in a sports card market, and they announced that that was their next goal is they were going to offer the same kind of a selling platform to sports card stores representing and to sell sports cards. Now, I don't know that they've made a whole lot of inroads there, but thinking about this merger with with eBay, that could be another thing where eBay says now maybe the sports cards, um, the stores, right? Maybe those stores are looking at TCG Player going, eh, we don't care. But now it's like, oh, eBay backed TCG Player. Maybe that makes a difference too. So eBay leading credence to TCG, TCG leading credence to eBay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you, you, you can't deny, even as much as I dislike eBay, that the brand has been around for a very long time. It's very recognizable. People that have never heard of TCG Player have heard of eBay. Different um, and they've got money and they're publicly traded. Well, we'll just have to see how this all angles out in the future. But for right now... It's going to be a heroic effort to, to pull me away from this topic. I understand. eBay, make TCG Pro happen. I, I'm, eBay, make it so that I can put my TCG stuff in my point of sale, please. Awesome. Thank you. I think that the only thing I could use to pull you away from this topic is the fact that you are selling some amazing games in your new hotness I'm right now. Dog. Oh, I thought we were going to hit the last article. That's what I was, nope, I was nope. going to talk about. We are jumping on we're jumping in. On. We're, we're running out of time. We're running out of time. Okay, so um, then I'm just gonna I'm, I'm gonna put a teaser out there. I was just gonna say um, there is a Marvel superheroes RPG game system coming, and, and we're not gonna talk about it in detail, but it looks pretty cool, and you should check it out and then pre-order it from the store because it looks pretty cool. Because you can play Spider-Man and Wolverine. Okay, there we go. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah, tell you what, 
for the next podcast, we'll we'll do this article so that you can geek out as much as you want about and this. It'll okay. Work out because by then the rules will probably be changed again because the playtest yeah. has been reworking things a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, and and also um, when we do it, we can use a banana for scale. Yes, we can use a banana for scale. Perfect. Speaking of big fluffy things that you want to use for scale, <laughs> uh, for those of you that don't know the joke that we are trying to get a big fluffy banana from, is it Squishables? Squishables. Yes. But we got a medium-sized fluffy size banana. banana. We got a decent-sized banana uh, in the new hotness right now. Uh, there is also the cutest cauldron for October. If you have someone that is a spooky friend or, or partner... Get them this cute little smiley face cauldron that has little, I think there's little skulls inside of it. It's got it's, an eyeball. It's got an eyeball. Yep. And, and a, a bat wing. And a bat wing. Yeah. yeah. It is it's adorable. It's a great thing to just have for your kids yeah. if you want your kids to be really spooky. It has the like, chemical symbol for water on the back as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. yeah. So we got both the witch and we got the cauldron in. Although we only got the, the mini size witch in, so the, the, the yeah. witch is like the cal- same size as the cauldron. Can we talk about what's on the table next you to us? You can fit inside the culture. Um, yes. We okay. can talk about that stuff. So also, we, it seems there is going to be a restock on the plague doctors and plague nurses. Yes. Uh, there's also large Highland cows, Highland which cow. I think <laughs> is going happy. to be hard to uh, keep in stock. I they was are having adorable. a rough day when the Highland cows came in, and it entirely changed my life. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. Sitting over there by his desk, just in case it's an emotional it's, support cow. It is. It is. Um, Chance didn't understand what Highland cows were. He was very confused. Like that's not a cow. I think we could make a whole podcast on Chance <laughs> not understanding things. I mean, that has taken up ten minutes of this podcast. Um, so things that uh, immediately jump out. I have not gotten a chance to say this, but uh, or play this, but Jamie has sold me on it, and that is the spill. Oh. Talk about yes. the spill. Yes. So, play and we got the spill on the table. We'll play it tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. This, everybody listening to this, the store is always closed on Labor Day. And on a regular basis, when the store is closed, we end up getting together to actually play games as, as a store and just hang out. So, we might get the spill on the table tomorrow, but the spill is something I talked about a couple times. It's new from Smirk and Dagger Games. And it is, um, you're playing as. There is an oil spill that is happening and it's affecting marine animals and you're playing as the rescuers, trying to save the marine animals. And it very much has the feel of a reverse castle panic. Castle panic, you're trying to keep the ogres and the monsters out. This one, you're trying to keep the oil spill in. But also, it definitely has some vibes from Pandemic, where you're cooperatively working together and for Forbidden Island, where things escalate as it goes along, and it gets harder as it goes along. And, uh, yeah, it's super cool. And everybody I've kind of run through it so far has been like, oh, man, I want this game. So, the oil rigs a dice tower. Yeah, and the oil rigs a dice tower. Yeah, it's did, pretty awesome. Did you ever play uh, Atlantis Rising? I never got a chance to play it. Oh, I know Jesse's like, talked about it a I bunch of times. Atlantis Rising. Yeah, it was good. It, it gave me the same. I'm going to put a shout out to something I have also not played, but would highly recommend. And that is Almanac, the Crystal Peaks, which is a continuation of the Almanac series. The Dragon Road was the original one. Exactly. And my wife and I absolutely love that game. If you are people that play a bunch of board games and you want to have some variety, Almanac is amazing. Because every time you turn, uh, it's a it's a book that you play in, you turn the page each page you get to decide where you go so it's kind of a choose your own the adventure winner gets to decide. the winner, the winner of, that of that round gets to decide. Yes. yeah 
And then you get to experience a brand new gameplay. So every time you land on a page, there's something new to learn. There's a new mechanic that you have to, to master in order to get there. And because of the variety of pages, you can't always plan ahead of what you're going to need or what you're going to have. So it really creates this nice, like, it's just how you play. You can't really just game the system for it. Yeah, it's uh, like an economics game, buy low, sell high, worker placement that also meets a choose-your-own-adventure book at the same time. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Like, the art in it is fantastic. Yeah, so the, and this is the Kickstarter bundle, too. So it's got the all the stretch goals from the Kickstarter and the deluxe token pack as well. So definitely, if I think that the Crystal Peaks can play on its own. You don't need the original game, It's correct? completely standalone. Yes. yes. But there is an expansion that's coming. It's like, what's it called? The Trail something expansion. And somehow it's supposed to let you connect the two of them together. Fantastic. I don't know how that works exactly. I haven't got my hands on that one yet. But theoretically, you're going to be able to connect both Dragon Road and Crystal Peaks together somehow. That's neat. The boxes also look really pretty on shelves because they look like a big book. book. Mm-hmm. Like an almanac. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's in there too that I am excited to try is these. There's Zombicide new roll and write. I mean, everybody here knows I'm a giant Zombicide nerd. What? There's a roll and write. It's called Gear Up, and I don't know have any idea how it played. But Alexis was like, "Can we play this soon?" And so we just have to figure out a time to get that on the table and and try it out. I yeah. don't know what's. I don't know how it's gonna work. I don't but, know, but I'm down for roll and writes. Yeah, you and Brittany's been huge on rolling rights recently too. Are you playing them with Brittany? Sometimes. Okay. I mean, yeah, we play games together a lot. <laughs> Another one that I saw at Gen Con in my whirlwind tour was Canopy, and a Canopy's like a cool little card game where you are—it's um, like you're playing in the rainforest, and you are—the cards represent like either the trunks of trees, animals, or plants growing on the trunks of trees. And then, of course, um, so you're you're growing your trees and you're trying to collect points from the 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 various species that are growing and living in these habitats you're creating. And then to finalize and score um, a tree that you're growing, you have to put the canopy on the top of it and make it part of the part of the rainforest. So pretty kind of a smaller box card game, but it just gets some really interesting flavor. And the artwork is absolutely beautiful on it too. If you are finally ready to engage with people again, if you have decided that you are feeling healthy and well enough to engage with your friends in public, we do have Pastas, Passions, and Pistols, which I believe <laughs> is a it's a murder mystery where you can involve your friends and have a nice nice night of playing characters. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a it's like an old school murder mystery where everybody gets a role and. Um, nobody knows really what's going on and you have, if somebody asks the right questions of you, then you can give them information from your character, from your role. So you're supposed to actually get everybody the information about their character ahead of time so that they can read through and know what they're doing as you're kind of working your way through this murder mystery. And that one's from uh, University Games and they do ones that are that style that's the host of mystery and then they also have the case files ones which are the sit down like your investigators going through um, evidence. So two different kind of play styles under the same brand there. So I didn't see this one coming in. I didn't know we were going to get it and I walked up the stairs and it was on the shelf and immediately my eyes were like what is this? Just because that it's like this really pretty blue Mm. metallic Mm -hmm. on a black back and it's the colors are beautiful. It is. I did think catching. it was a cookbook at first. Not gonna lie. Right? Yeah, it lo- it looks beautiful. It looks like a cookbook or it like does. a D and D book. And like we've we've had 
D&D cookbooks before. So I was yeah. like, oh, that's cool. All right. I'm just going to go ahead and spend the next hour and a half uh, ranting about <laughs> Sorcerer's Arena because there is a new expansion for it known as Turning the Tide. But my number one complaint about this game is that out of all of the Disney characters, they keep on putting in Disney characters that aren't sorcerers. So in the base game, Gaston is in the game. He is definitely not a sorcerer. <laughs> Sully is in the game. That is a hard stretch because he just has a door system that he can use. Isn't it's not his own power. Isn't it that you're the sorcerer as the player? I was under the impression that it was that sorcerers are fighting because some of the people no, in the I game... Right. I think it's like how at Magic the <sighs> Gathering you are the planeswalker who is summoning the characters and here you are summoning the Disney IP. Well, that makes a lot more sense because <laughs> I was going to say we have because Long Because Nikki was only the sorcerer's apprentice. That is true. But in this new expansion we do have uh, Long John Silver, right? No. That's not him? What no, is it, Jolly Davy Roger? Jones. Davy Jones. There it is. Sorry. To be fair, you looked at me like I was crazy. To that be is fair. Not to be fair. Uh, that was, I don't think, that much of a stretch. But yes, from the Pirates of the Caribbean movie, he's in there. I could consider him a sorcerer. That's fine. We have Moana, who, all right, he, she's got the necklace of Phoebe. She, like, played around with the water thing. Yeah, okay, I'm willing to that. And then there's Stitch in there. When While I love Stitch... I do not consider him a sorcerer. So now this is making a little bit more sense to me. Yeah, I, I think Jesse's right. I think it's bringing characters in to do battle for you. And, and Stitch, is, Stitch is a tank, right? Stitch is yeah. because, well, one, he's absolutely nutso in all of the shows and movies. Um, but on the, on the battlefield in the game, I think he's a tank-style character. I am very curious about how Davy Jones plays. Like, that just sounds really exciting to me. Um, definitely one of the highlights of the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Yeah, the, and, uh, um, the artwork was uh, really good. Oh, oh, his name is falling out of my Bill head. Bill Nye? Bill Nye, yeah. Just the science guy? Different Bill Nye. This is Bill <laughs> Nye. I think there's a E at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, he was in, uh, well, he's been in a million oh, movies yeah. over the it's, years. Um, he was um, in Love Actually. Love Actually. That's, we the, can't quote any of the parts that he's yeah, in. Yeah, he's, um, he's the washed up. He's the washed up. Christmas singer. Rock star. If, if you've seen Love Actually, then you'll understand what I mean when I say that I quote him regularly when I'm really just having a bad day. <laughs> yeah. He was also in uh, uh, Underworld. Oh, yeah, he was. He was the, one of the vampire lords, Marcus. So, just above Sorcerer's Arena in our case is something I'm excited to try, which is uh, Red Cathedral Contractors expansion. Uh, Red Cathedral is from Devere Games, and I've really been enjoying it. I feel like it's kind of it was a little bit of a sleeper hit. It's been getting a little bit more pop after Gen Con because um, the Contractors expansion was their big Gen Con release, um, and it is a resource management game where you are building parts of St. Basil's Cathedral, and uh, I just. It's a small box with a lot of fun, and very much that if you're thinking, I want to introduce my friends to games with resources like Catan, um, this would be in a similar place where it's it's got depth, but it's also accessible. And the Contractor's expansion, it seems like it doubles the amount of stuff that can go on. Like, there's so much different things you can uh, do with how the game is set up to make it different every time, and this adds in a sideboard. Um, so yeah, it's one of those situations where the base game, relatively simple, the expansion is almost as expensive as a base game. Base is 35, expansion is 30. And it basically goes, okay, here's the bigger, crunchier version if you really want to dig in. So it's almost like uh, you have now learned how to play. Now let's introduce you to all the rest of the rules. Yeah, you could say that. Okay, so Jesse, I want you to realize, look at the time. We've been recording for a little over an hour, so we don't have a lot of time left. 
So when I ask you, hey, what are those new little things that are by the door of the store? Just recognize the time that we have. Does that include the time where I'm being chided for talking too long? <laughs> we have Gashapon machines. Uh, those have been very popular. People are excited. Like, oh my god, you have those? Yeah. Gosh. Right? Gosh. Oh, gosh. Uh, so, yeah, Gashapon, the Japanese-style capsule machines. And we have them filled with a variety of random stuff, some licensed stuff. Um, they started out with a lot of Pokemon. And the funny thing is that we actually had the Pokemon ones for a while before the machines showed up on the, the counter. The machines got delayed. And the machines got delayed. And some people bought them, but as soon as they were in the machines, they just disappeared. So if you're curious about those, just go up to the counter, buy a token, go put it in, and have some fun. The Kirby dice bags are not going to last The Kirby long. dice bags are adorable. Can we describe what they are just a little bit more? Because I feel like we kind of lauded over that to what's inside okay, of them. Yeah, I can, I can slow back down if I'm allowed the time. You are. Yeah, I will allow it. I'll give you an extra five minutes. <laughs> so... Everyone's familiar, I assume, with the capsule machines, like the quarter 50 cent ones that you'd see at a, at a I always think of Kmart first from my youth. Um, Kmart was a store kind of like Target, but cheaper. Um, and, uh, but, but Walmart, wherever. Did you really think that you needed to dis- describe Kmart to everybody? Yes, I bet if we yeah. go upstairs, Anna doesn't know what a Kmart is. Yeah. I've only been to a Kmart once, and it was really? when it was closing. Yeah. So, um, Jesse, so do you know what a machine. Pomida is? I've heard that name before, but I think that's a regionalism. I don't know what a Hamida is. You don't know what a Pamida is? Yeah. Okay. No. Oh, never um, mind. Did you say Pamida? Pamida. Yeah. Not a Hamida? No. So, I have no idea what that capsule is. Okay. machines, you get some kind of fun little random toy. Gashapon are Japanese-style ones. They have larger capsules. I mean, they're like the size of a, you know, a small Pokeball or something, They, uh, like a super bouncy ball. And... Uh, they have, you know, nicer things. So like ours, they're six bucks. Like, and you're getting, you know, like a blind bag um, fig out of it or a random toy. They're they're really cool. I've spent lots of money on them when, like, there will be conventions where at a booth will be nothing but someone has a bunch of Gashapon machines. And so we have uh, some Gashapon now. And like Jamie said, we have some Kirby stuff in there. We have some Pokemon. We have some, like, random uh, Lego-esque building toys that can turn into a robot. And I think there's going to be some, uh, some like... Uh, uh, Inuyasha stuff in there soon, and I know there are a lot of people who are really excited about that. So, uh, the Gashapons are there, and uh, before I forget did about it... we order it, the Buff Otters? I don't, I don't <laughs> remember if we did order the Buff Otters. Uh, um, the amount of times I've heard you talk about it, I hope you did. Yeah, the Buff Otters live rent-free in Jamie's brain. And, and the Angry Cats. Um, I do want to also throw out there real quick that we mentioned before, New Magic, Dominar United, if you're listening to this, that probably means you can come in and buy it. Uh, if you're listening to this, we got new Pokemon, Lost Origin, you can come in and buy it, and New Force of Will set also dropped in the middle of this, and uh, it's a great time to start out playing that game if you want to try a new card game, if you like magic but also are a weeb and love anime, because new starter decks just came out, and we'd mentioned Force of Will was having a little bit of a rough period. They're on the upswing. They can, again, afford better artists. It's and also a good group of people playing. Oh, it's a solid group here. Absolutely wonderful. But yeah, the art the new set is really pretty again. So, yeah. If somebody wanted to come in the store and play those games with those great people, are there any events going on this next week that, or this following, this this week, that they could do that? Um, magic, definitely, right? So this Friday is the release day, so there's always a release day draft. Uh, and then... Coming up soon will be a game day uh, for Magic, and then God, as soon as we hit into October, there's new releases for Magic being the Warhammer 40k set, which we talked about in the past, those are mm-hmm. Commander decks, as well as Jumpstart 2022 mm-hmm. happens there. But then the, yeah, Force of Will, is that, they're Monday Every nights, Monday. right? So 
obviously tomorrow Labor Day closed, but every Monday, always good with having new folks come out and learn. Just buy a deck, come downstairs and say, please teach me. Um, Pokemon is the first and third Sundays of the month, and we have uh, Keaton as our Pokemon uh, facilitator, who, um, if you, again, I don't know how to play, Keaton will show you how. I'll answer all that, make sure everyone's having a good time. Yeah, and Keaton's been playing Pokemon here since he was eight. Oh, yeah. So Keaton is now old enough that he's employed here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, all of our events are on redraccoongames.net on our calendar. And uh, now there's something going on for Magic, multiple things every week. We're having a good turnout for Pioneer and Casual. Pioneer, Commander, Friday night. There's a, there's a lot. Yeah. yeah, I think I think the best way to do it is to say go to redraccoongames.net and click on events and you can see the entire calendar of all the stuff that's going on because there's Zombicide's coming up. Uh, you know, we do Zombicide. I think it's the first Friday, so it should be... Well, it might have actually should have been last Friday then. Um, but Zombicide's coming up and there's just a, a ton of things that are happening. The Digimon community, they play every other Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. Uh, yeah. Rick, look at the calendar. Don't yeah. listen to Jamie. <laughs> this, this month is a Gamers Night, right? I don't know if we'll have September another... September 17th yeah. is Gamers Night. Yeah. And then also September 24th is Worldwide Day of Play in Uptown mm. Normal. So for those of you geeks that are of a, um, a historically generous time frame that have your children, it's a good way to bring your kids out to have some fun at Worldwide Day of Play. It's an Uptown Normal. It's host, the Children's Discovery Museum sets it all up. We'll be out there with a booth teaching um, games aimed at some of the littles. And it's, God, I bet you last year there was 3,000 kids that were out there with their parents. It was, it was just a ton of fun. I'm, I'm still in the weeds a little bit with uh, historically generous uh, with time. That, that was a, it was, oh, I was like, man. oh, yeah, no, I understood what he meant eventually. <laughs> I was like, huh, that was a new way to say aged. <laughs> um, just to go back. Well, because I, said, uh, I, I told, I told um, uh, Anna that she, uh, uh, I said something to her the other day, instead of calling her short, I said that she had been uh, gravitationally afflicted <laughs> or something like that. So that she never grew above the height. She, you know, knee high by the 4th of July for corn. Anna never (laughs) grew that tall. Going back just a little bit because it's too well named. And because this is a podcast, nobody can see like how Uh, it's written out. Gamers Night. Could you describe that just a little bit more? Yeah, it is for uh, the queer community. So it's G-A-Y-M-E-R-S. So good. Um, Such a good name. We do it quarterly. I think we did an extra one during Pride Month. Mm. I don't know if we'll have another podcast before this next one, which is why I wanted to bring it up. But it is a after-we-close event where you could just come in and feel safe with your community and play games. If we're working, we can teach you games. You can play whatever you'd like. It's usually a few hours. Prairie Pride Coalition's here. They usually have some sort of food, treats, things to give away. Yeah, it's a nice, you know, queer-focused space. That yeah. The store is always inclusive, and we do a lot of work to try to make sure it is a safe space for everyone. But um, not everyone's familiar with the store, and some people really, you know, it's nice when you can have that space where you're like, I'm around people who are on the same page with me about this. Nice. I just wanted to make sure that we highlighted that a little bit yeah. more, because, oh, yeah. again, the, the naming convention time. is mm-hmm. just fantastic. Yeah, and then October, um, we're trying to find a date for our next ladies' night as well. Right, that's, there's, there's, there's overlap in those communities, but not 100%. Yeah. So, you know, and it's, we were talking about it on a forum, and I know we're trying to wrap up, but I'll just say that, um, you know, we, we 
do everything in their power to tr to make everybody feel like the store is a safe place for them, that they belong here as well. Unfortunately, not every game store does that, and there have there are definitely game stores that are are um, where women have been made to feel uncomfortable, um, which is unfortunate and is not the way things should be. So we make purposeful steps to reach out to communities like the queer community or, or women to say, this is your space as well. Let us show you how we can make this your space. We have to be very intentional because unfortunately they have been shut down in other places in the past. So we are not trying to to say, men, you're not welcome here because it, it, the game industry has always been, you know, quote unquote, a, a boys club. And we're trying to say, no, it's an everybody club. Everybody can play games. Everybody can have fun. And that just means sometimes that we have to take extra steps to reach out to people that have been, have felt isolated before to, to let them know, yes, you are welcome here too. Let us show you how and why with the hopes that at some point in the future we have a perfect future where nobody ever feels excluded for any reason and everybody's just welcome if they want to come in and have fun and play a game. Yeah. And with that, our episode comes to a close. I'd like to thank the staff members that joined me today, and if you want a chance to talk about your tabletop with them, come and find them at Red Raccoon Games, located in downtown Bloomington, Illinois, where, and I normally try and put one cool thing about the store in here, we have an amazing play space downstairs. I know that we're going to have an even better one in the new shop, but uh, when you first come in, if you guys want a secluded place where you can play Dungeons and Dragons or Magic or anything along those lines, even rent a board game out of the board game library, which we've talked about on previous podcasts, you can come on down here and play it only yeah. after 5 30 on weekdays only after 5 30 on weekdays <laughs> that's a good plug yeah yes. we, we ship enough stuff now online and our website and stuff that we actually need the basement for the daytime to actually do business with but then we make a point to clean it up every night and put everything away so that it's ready for gaming all night long and and, and uh, a, a building plug this basement right now we have seating down here for 44 and the current draft of the designs for the new building says well the open space will have 88 seats and then we will have an additional two private rooms that can be rented it's for 16 more seats it's gonna be fantastic uh i want to thank jillian mesner for the use of our theme music and feel free to tell us how we're BK. doing <laughs> doing by leaving a comment in the podcast app of your choice or come right to the source by emailing us at info at redraccoongames.com if you throw the word podcast in the subject line, we'll do our best to give you a shout out on the show. Until next time, keep playing. Live long and do things. Bye. Bye.